thank you for listening to the podcasts from Life Central Church. For more information or to visit one of our locations, go to lifecentralchurch.org.uk. Good evening. Good evening. What a brilliant evening. Isn't it been great? I just, you know, we're in this season uh, um, and in this series of that we're doing on Sundays called Coming Back Stronger. But do you know what? I think midweek is coming back stronger, don't you? There's something about being together and meeting together. And the Bible says, you know, not to give up the habit of meeting together. Um, not because it's just a good habit to have, but just because something happens in the depths of our spirits when we meet together and we, and we encourage each other. And I'm just going to carry on tonight, really. I mean, Dan couldn't have chosen any better songs um, to set this up. If, if it flops, it's because of me now. You know, Dan has set this up so, so well. Um, you know, and he didn't, he didn't know, and he doesn't know um, what I'm going to be speaking about. But, but all the songs that we've sung tonight, I love it when God has a plan. And because when God's got a plan, he's going to see that through. And I really believe tonight that God wants to do something, not only just with us in the room, but those of you that are joining and watching us online too. Um, you know, he can turn graves into gardens. We don't have to feel that. We don't even have to say that we believe it tonight, but that doesn't change the truth of what we've been singing and what we've had on our lips tonight. You know, he is the king of our hearts. He is the mountain we can run to. He is the anchor. He is the wind in our sails. But do you know what the most important song we've sung tonight is the truth that Jesus is at the center of it all. And no matter what is going on in your life, no matter what is going on in your world, will not change the truth that if you are a Jesus follower tonight, he is at the center of it all, and he centers everything. And, and I'm going to talk tonight about, um, about something that's been on my heart called A Matter of Trust. Now, if you love Billy Joel, it's a great Billy Joel track if you've never heard it. But, and I was really gutted that Dan didn't cover that tonight, but maybe next time, mate, we'll get, you, we'll get Billy Joel into the church. But, um, but it's about a matter of trust. And the reason why this has been speaking to me so much is because I don't know whether um, you've been aware of the recent hoarding things that have been going on with people over the last few months. Um, I mean, starting right back to toilet rolls during lockdown, um, and then it moved on to do petrol recently. Um, and, and then the, the, the corking one for me, I mean, that's a corker, isn't it? The woman is putting petrol into a bag. Into, I mean, how health and safety is that? Where's HR when you need them? She, why wasn't somebody running out of the station going, what are you doing? Do you, I just, seriously. And we're supposed to be the intelligent people on the planet. Um, but then this was the corker for me. Russ um, went and did some shopping for his parents in a major supermarket recently. I won't name it and shame it. But, um, and there was somebody in front of him, um, with an, a, um, a, a couple that were older than we are. I won't say how old they are, but they're older than we were. And, um, and was full of like tin stuff. And it took them quite a while to get through the checkout. And when Russ got to the checkout lady, as he does, he had a bit of a chat to her. And he went, well, that was taking a bit of time, wasn't it? And she said, um, never guess what they got in there. 30 individual Christmas puddings. 30 individual Christmas puddings. And do you know why they've got 30 individual Christmas puddings? Because they'd heard a rumour there was going to be a shortage at Christmas. So they cleared the shelves of Christmas puddings. Now, I don't know about you, but that's not really one of my top 10 staples. Do you know what I mean? I mean, if I was going to be a prepper, Christmas puddings wouldn't be the one thing I'd be, uh, I'd be shoving on my shelves. But do you know what? They did it because they'd heard a rumour. And actually, all of those things happened, didn't they? Because someone heard a rumour that there might 
be a shortage. And if there was going to be a shortage, we weren't going to be the people that were going to be short. You know, we weren't going to be the people that were going to be left short. But what did that do? It caused the very shortage that people were worried about in the first place. And it's what I call scarcity thinking. Scarcity thinking. Even though we have enough, even though we have enough, we fear that we won't have enough, so we quickly start operating out of a place of anxiety that says it's never going to be enough. So we've, we've, we've sort of moved our mind and our, and our thinking to thinking that it'll, it's never been enough, so we'll have to get something. You know, how many of us did really fill our cars up when we thought there were going to be a petrol shortage? Just in case, because you never know. And I must admit, when I was driving, and I've got half a tank, and I was driving past petrol station after petrol station, and the queues were like, you know, were tailing back, it crossed my mind, you know, should I pull in? But you've got half a tank, Jane. Yeah, but should I just pull in? Because you just don't know, do you? Because I might be the one person that hasn't got any fuel, and, and it wouldn't hurt just to stop, would it? And even though I'd got enough, I started convincing myself from a place of anxiety that I would never have enough. And then the anxiety and the voice of our fear increases and the voice of the peaceful spirit of God starts to get quieter. But you know, scarcity thinking can quickly turn into survival thinking. And what's that? It's when we start to see life as potentially dangerous to us. And so we become hyper alert to everything, don't we? Every social media post, every news item, you know, every well-meaning friend's advice or opinion. And so we start to accumulate things. And the Bible calls that storing it up for ourselves. The world can make a real big living out of the fear business. Do you know that? The world can make a really big living out of the fear business. And this is what it encourages us to do. Three things. It encourages us to accumulate. And what do I mean by that? It's the, you better save some for a rainy day. Do you know what my mum used to say to me? You can save for a rainy day, Jane, because that rainy day will surely come. And they do, don't they? We accumulate. It encourages us to become suspicious of everyone and everything. We start to mistrust people's um, sort of um, values and, and reasons why they're doing stuff for us and with us. And then it encourages us to preempt things. You know, do unto do unto others before they can do it to you. And this all comes from the belief that we're going to lack something, and we start to focus on what we don't have rather than everything we already possess. And the world even has an acronym for it, doesn't it? And it's called FOMO, the fear of missing out. And when I was growing up, you know, it never entered my mind that we'd ever have a second car. You know, when, in my family, we had one car and that was enough. Why would we want another one? We've already got one. We can only drive one at a time. Never crossed my mind we'd ever have two cars. Now it's a necessity. Never thought about owning a dishwasher when I was young at home. My family had a dishwasher. It was me. We didn't need another one. But now every new home, doesn't it, comes with one already installed because it's an essential. It's an essential. Now, I'm not saying, guys, that we shouldn't improve our lives with these things and we shouldn't enjoy the benefits of the world that we find ourselves in. But we need to avoid falling into the trap of the never enough. And we live in a culture where we're enticed to believe that we are in need. 
that we don't have enough. Let me remind you tonight that if you are a Christian, if you follow Jesus, we already have access to everything that we will ever need. But I do know that keeping that in perspective has never been more challenging than it is right now. And that's what I want to talk to you about just for 10 minutes tonight, really. Have you ever heard the phrase, a perfect storm? You ever heard that phrase? Some of you may have seen the film. And um, what a load of water there was in that film, I tell you. For somebody who troubles with travel sickness, it was not a great film to be watching, let me tell you. But, but it's a, based on a true story. And it's based on a scientific premise. Now, I'm no scientist, um, but I'm going to try and explain to you what a perfect storm is. Now, when storms collide, they often cancel each other out. But sometimes, and it's really, really rare, they'll feed off each other's energy and become what the weather service call a perfect storm. And this is what happened back in 1991. with The, the ocean waves, I said, reached um, the height of 10-floor buildings. That's how tall the waves were. And that's what the film was based on with old George on his boat over there, good old George Clooney. But I think we're in the midst of what potentially could be another perfect storm. Now, what do I mean by that? We've got COVID-19. We've now got the financial and economic challenges that resulting from that. But back in 1991, there was a third storm. And it wasn't strong enough to cancel out the other two. It couldn't just deflect it. And it couldn't let the other two bounce off it. It wasn't that kind of storm. But what it could do it could absorb the energy of the other two. And that's what caused the havoc and the devastation. So what could be the third storm for us today? If you've got COVID-19, if you've got all these economic and financial challenges that we're facing, what is the third storm? And this is what I felt God say to me. The third storm that could cause a perfect storm in your world, Jane, is the strength of your faith. Is the strength of your faith. Are there places where I am letting the storms of what's happening in my world gain such a foothold that they're going to start to cause some havoc in my life? Am I leading towards scarcity thinking or even survival thinking? Is the strength of my faith going to be enough to repel what is coming towards me so I can stand firm? Because faith at its core is trust. And trust is saying that God is enough. That God is enough. You see, Jesus won't give us everything we need. He is everything we need. He's enough. He's enough love. He's enough mercy. He's enough peace. He's enough contentment. He's enough joy. He's enough grace. And when you feel absolutely stressed out, he's enough. When your children are having a let's drive mom crazy day, he's enough. When you receive news that's really unsettling and upsetting, he's enough. When your life gets turned upside down, he is enough. How do I know this? Well, there are two words that I've never seen in the Bible, and I'm going to share them with you. The two words I've never seen or read in the Bible are these. God panicked. And he's never said to me, 
Okay, Jane, we can panic now. Now's a good time to panic. Never seen it, never read it, and I never will. God does not panic. And when I'm uncertain, or when you're unsure, and when storms hit our lives, we look around for what is going to be the safest bet. We look for the thing we're able to most put our trust into. And for us, that can only be Jesus. He will help us make, you know, not make those impulsive and foolish decisions that we'd never make at any other time. Do you know that there are decisions that I make that I would never make in any other set of circumstances? Unless I'm feeling anxious or stressed. There's things I wouldn't do in the light of day. But we have to trust. And the best way I can explain to you what trust is, is to explain to you what trust isn't. Trust doesn't mean we're careless or indifferent. It doesn't mean that I just let things go. It doesn't mean I go where the wind takes me. Trust is a positive action. I have to put something into action, into place. I have to work with it. And trust doesn't mean that I shut my eyes to the things around me. Trust looks at things as they are, but sees beyond them to God. I'm not living in a cartoon world. I'm not living in a fantasy world. I'm fully rooted in the reality of what is happening in my world and what is happening in our world, but I'm doing my best to see through that to God. Trust will see God greater or bigger than my need. And the dictionary definition of trust is really interesting because it says this, it's the firm belief in the honesty and reliability of another person. That's what trust is. The firm belief in the honesty and reliability of another. And I can think of no better definition of God, can you? He's utterly reliable. He's utterly honest. You know, I'd like to say that I'm a trustworthy person. But I will let people down. I've got the potential to break your trust. So I can't let myself measure my experience of trust with people against this great God who wants me to live a life as good as it gets. He doesn't want me to have a mindset of never enough. But he's such an awesome God. He's such a brilliant guy that he knows this is such a tricky thing for us to grasp. And this is why. We want God to prove himself before we trust him. But God wants us to trust him so he can prove himself. That's deep, guys. That's deep for me. Because it's such a truth. We want God to prove himself before we trust him. But God wants us to trust him so he can prove himself. And there's one final barrier to trust and that totally, fully, I believe, rests on our shoulders. And Jo mentioned it when she prayed, actually. But do you remember the feeding of the 5,000? And people were hungry and they needed feeding. They'd been there all day and the disciples said, it's time for them to go home now. They've been here all day. Can we send them home so they can get something to eat? And what did Jesus say? They don't need to go away. You feed them. They don't need to go away. You feed them. And the disciples came back with, but we have nothing here but five loaves and two fish. Do 
We all know what those days are like, don't we? When we feel like there is nothing here for God to use but five loaves and two fishes. And this is when we don't feel like we have enough, but when we start to believe that we are not enough either. That we are not enough either. But we know, because we know the end of the story, we know what Jesus did with those loaves and fishes. But he didn't change the fact that he said to his disciples, you feed them. We need to change the lens through which we see things. God already sees and trusts that we already are and have enough to feed the people that need feeding. And it's so amazing that we've got all of our locations represented tonight. Rowley and Hagley and Clibbury and, and Bromsgrove and Halzoen. Because I want to share with you a story as I come to land this about what I feel God wants us to do. And I've shared this story before, but it's such a true, true story and I'll never forget it. And I was driving in the car and I was coming into work one day and I've got to the stage now where I listen to Radio 4 sometimes. I never thought I'd ever move from Radio 1, but you do, you know. You sneak into Radio 2 and before you know it, Radio 4's on there. So I was listening to a phone-in and they were phoning about crazy things that people had done. And this guy phones in and he phoned in about his mom. And it was when the um, volcano erupted with Iceland. Do you remember that? And planes couldn't fly because of the ash cloud. And so planes were grounded and nobody could go anywhere. And this guy said, my mom loves hummus. Loves hummus. And, <laughs> and all the planes were grounded in Greece. And she was petrified, he said, that they were never going to get any chickpeas. We were never going to, England was never going to get any chickpeas again. So what she did was she went to every supermarket and she cleared the shelves of chickpeas. And the guy said, we are still eating that hummus 18 months later from those cans of chickpeas that she bought because we never, ever ran out. And I was laughing to myself in the car and I felt God say to me, what was wrong with that story, Jane? And I was like, well, she just nicked all the chickpeas, God, didn't she? You know, she just cleared the shelves of the whole tons of chickpeas. And he said, that wasn't the issue. And do you know when God asks you a question, you know it's because he knows the answer, don't you? And you're like, mm, I hope I'm getting this right. But, and, and he said, what, that wasn't the issue. The issue was this. Not clearing the shelves of chickpeas, not making the hummus. Her, the problem was she never gave that hummus away. She never shared it. She never went to a neighbour and went, Would you fan- do, you, do you fancy some hummus? Do you want to share some of this? She cleared the shelves and kept it. And I think what God is saying to us in these days that we've got coming up, and they're going to be difficult days for lots of people, is that it's okay to clear the shelves of chickpeas, but for goodness sake, church, let's share the hummus. Let's share the hummus. Let's put out there what God is giving us and make it available to the people that really, really need it. And this is why it's really important that we gather at times like this. Because we need to reconnect back into the well so that we've got something to give. That is life-giving and life-growing and is going to produce abundant fruit in the places where we are. So tonight, here's my challenge. Is there an area tonight where you know you are struggling to trust God?
If I said to you, I believe in God, but I struggle to fully trust him with, what would be your blank? Because that's where God wants to meet you tonight. God wants to meet you so that we don't get pulled into the world's ideal of scarcity thinking and then into survival thinking. We don't need to be that kind of thinking because we have Jesus. He's everything that we need. And you may not feel it. And everything around you may feel like a perfect storm. But let me tell you, Jesus can center that. So I want to ask you, if you believe in God tonight and you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, what would be at the end of that sentence for you? But God, I'm struggling to trust you with this. Are you slipping into scarcity or survival thinking somewhere in your experience tonight? And it's okay. Because God is more than willing and more than able to reconnect with you and recenter our world. And I would love to pray for you if that is you. And these are times, you know, when we can be, we're family. This is family time. And so we can be vulnerable and open with each other. And if you need to have some part of your world re-centered tonight, there's no better place to do it than with family. And I want to ask you if you'd just bow your heads and close your eyes. And if that's you, and you know that there's something on the end of that sentence for you tonight, I believe in you, God. You know, I have a relationship with you, but I'm struggling to trust you with. I just want you to put your hand up. And I'd love to pray for you. Thank you. Wow. Thank you. And I'm going to pray, and I want you to put that thing at the end of the sentence. And it's a matter of trust. God is so reliable and honest. He will meet you where you're at right now. Father, I thank you for every hand that he's raised. God, for people's worlds where there's a perfect storm going on, where, Lord, it feels chaotic and it feels... unsolid beneath our feet at the moment and God we're wrestling Father I pray that you would breathe now your peace that Father we don't need to store things away. We don't need to start hoarding things away for just in case or what if. 
Father, we just want to lean into you. Father, you are always, always full. You are always, always at the height of your power. You are always, always 100% present. And so, God, as we say this line to you, that, Father, we believe in you, but we are struggling to trust you with, just say what that is right now in your heart. I believe in you, God, but I'm struggling to trust you with. And where we're wrestling. I just um, sense, just want to pray for uh, people in the room tonight that you're struggling to sleep at night. That, you know, four o'clock in the morning is just like a ding. You're just awake and the brain is going and everything's whirring. And, and fathers want to pray for those people, Lord, who are struggling with sleep right now. That, Father, they'd be like Jesus in the boat with the storm and the squall going on around. And he slept. He slept through a storm. And Father, I pray for those that, Lord, are struggling in that area, that God, they would see um, where you are sleeping and know that it's safe to lie down and rest, even amidst everything that's going on around them. Lord, I pray tonight they would sleep peacefully. And for those of you that are struggling with the fact that maybe um, singing some of the stuff we've sung tonight has been difficult for you. There are some what ifs in your mind. God wants us to trust him so he can prove himself faithful to us. Holy Spirit, I thank you for what you're doing. I thank you for people's vulnerability and people's honesty tonight. Lord, we want to be a community that shares our chickpeas, that, that shares our abundance, that shares out of the overflow of what you've done in us. Father, we are your hands and feet for our communities. Would you fill us again? Would you reconnect us to the well? Would you help us drink tonight? Father, we're available. We bring every part of ourselves. Refresh us tonight, I pray. We know that you are more than enough. <laughs>